Hey there, and welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Stephen, Mark, and Gerald. And today we will be discussing everything that was shown to us at Build 2021. So stay tuned. But before we dive into our main topic of today, have you guys seen that there apparently was an app on the App Store that required you to at least give a three-star review before it would actually function? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> but how do they check? Can you can you actually get the rating? I, I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. I think you can somehow. I remember once being in a team where we got the reviews in a Slack channel whenever someone was commenting on the app. So there might be a way to then grab the... Yeah, I th I think they they sort of, you couldn't dismiss the ratings box and they kind of hacked into it not being one or two stars on certain devices. <laughs> Is this an Android thing? No, it was iOS app. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. So. Respect. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess that is be, that is gone now. Tim Apple doesn't allow that. <laughs> yeah, it. I think it. Uh, it has since been removed. Um, mm. It. It was. I think some kind of app that allowed you to stream video to your TV, something like that. Ah. But yeah, that. Uh, that was quite. Quite a thing. The ratings. I heard the ratings were actually quite good for that. You could. You yeah. could make a in-app purchase to be able to give a one-star rating. Well, you could make money of your bad <laughs> reviews. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you want to hurt me, you're going to pay. <laughs> okay, uh, that's it. We have another app idea. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Oh. Uh, busy coding now. Busy yeah. coding. Got to get that app out there, right? <laughs> yep. But they also then had to probably, you know, build in some hack to trick the App Store review people. Yeah, I guess a, a time-based toggle or something could work. Yeah, you could actually do that. I mean, if if you if you do the the timed release stuff, you could say, okay, I'll release it two weeks from now. Hopefully, it's approved in the meantime, and then yeah, it should be or some feature flag in in a remote database and just flip that. Yeah, I guess. I like how we're doing the technical documentation for a very scammy app. Yeah, for. Just in case we ever need it, you know, like <clears throat> you never know, you never know, you never know when you maybe gonna... you have to maintain that thing, and then you will be so happy that you have written that documentation. Mm -hmm. Just saying, for for legal reasons, this these are all jokes. Yeah. Yes. Entertainment only. Yeah. And all that stuff, not financial advice, anything like that. Just <laughs> entertainment. No parenting advice either. Just huh. no. Definitely. Oh no! I I I just proposed to someone on Twitter that they should feed an air tag to their children because I, I put out a tweet like who's actually using their air tags because mine are still on my desk. Oh. Um, and <laughs> one came back with like, yeah, I, I attach one to the water bottle of my children or something. Um, and I, I made a kind of a remark that said like, yeah, I try to, you know, let my kids swallow one so that they can't lose the actual air tag. But yeah, for legal reasons, again, that's a joke. Not parenting advice. Kidding. Moving on, just I'm not even going to bother with a segue this week. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because I'm sure we have a lot to talk about that was shown at Build. Um, obviously, if you don't know, Build, one of the conferences that Microsoft hosts every year, 
all kinds of cool stuff relating to Azure development. All kinds of cool things. Yeah, it seems to be, but this year it seems to be especially Azure heavy. I remember build being about all developer things, but uh, this year it seems to be quite heavy on the Azure side. And I think the reason is because in, in autumn, uh, .NET 6 will be announced and many new cool stuff should come around autumn. So I, this is just like a, a warm up to get us excited, um, to show us some progress, I think left and right you could see what's going on interesting um, i didn't think of it like that like you know we have now the dotnet conf which is going to be a given probably because you know each november we are going to have dotnet 6 dotnet 7 dotnet 8 so dotnet conf will then maybe become more about dotnet what's in the name and then build will be more like all the other stuff um you know more focused on maybe azure and some other things um interesting hmm. i didn't think of that yeah that that makes that makes sense, and then there's. But that the, also means we need to wait for .NET Conf. Yeah. All the way yeah. in the autumn to November. <sighs> yeah. We we are all cloud developers, right? I mean, do we That's develop awesome. on actual hardware? No. 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 I mean, that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Yeah, but I mean, so I guess we'll have to make another show in autumn because then I'll. A lot of the cool stuff comes out. And since we are three old developers, we are really looking forward to that event. But there's also quite some cool Azure stuff that came out uh, during this this build session. Though though I must confess, I I read a lot of blog posts that were released around the same time uh, that highlights a few features coming along. So I, I'm, I'm sure to, uh, we will be discussing those a bit. But what has been your personal highlights from build? from the sessions that you managed to watch? Well, of course, I mean, I I can only say one thing, which is, of course, .NET MAUI stuff, um, which is not really a secret, which is not really a big announcement, but together with Build, coincidentally, I think, uh, they released Preview 4. So I think also they are branding this as the public release, air quotes, uh, sorry, public preview, air quotes. Yes. Um, so, you know, this is this is the point in time where you can start uh, poking into it, look what it can do, do some tire kicking, as they call it, um, and maybe, you know, see if you can start transitioning your app. I think that might be a little bit too early uh, because, you know, a lot of stuff is not implemented yet. Uh, but I think it now has navigation. It has the basic layout stuff. It has some controls in there that you could use. Uh, there is a cool demo app by David Ortnow, the Weather 2021, I think, something like that. We'll link something in the show notes. Um, it looks pretty cool, and it runs on every platform that you can imagine, basically iOS, Android, UWP, macOS, maybe Tizen. I don't know about Tizen. Um, it does service Duo, I think. So, you know, all kinds of cool stuff going on there. Somewhat related to that, um, there is, of course, now Visual Studio, or maybe that was also launched at Build, probably. Visual Studio 2019 16.11, which is not quite Visual Studio 2022 yet. Uh, but this has like the, the, the templates and some more support for .NET templates, so that's really cool. And I saw someone asking like, hey, what's up with the templates in Visual Studio Mac and where's their support there? Uh, but I know on Visual Studio Mac, they are also working hard to basically revamp the whole thing, um, use more macOS native UI bits. I've seen a glimpse. It looks very, very pretty. Um, and I think they said that it's coming mid-year-ish. 
Um, at least the support for Maui. Don't get me, don't don't pin me on the rest of the stuff with the um, macOS native stuff. Um, but at least there will be then. I I I I would think that that kind of goes uh, hand in hand. Um, so mid yearish. So that would mean you know another month, two months maybe. Um, yeah. which is going to be really cool. But yeah, that was that was the thing for me, of course. That's That was also a big highlight for me, the .NET MAUI stuff. I think the entire team actually works on that app. I don't know if it just was David, but I saw that there. I was quickly on the GitHub page, and it seems like uh, there were quite a few contributors uh, to that app. And it, there is a, a blog post following this announcement of the latest .NET MAUI release, and they can read. They initially started this app out on Xamarin Forms, and then they migrated it over to .NET MAUI, and they say it was it was actually. I mean, for one, it shows that you can uh, use a Xamarin Forms app and then migrate it over to MAUI, which is nice. Uh, you have to adjust some namespaces, and since it's still in preview, I guess they knew which bits they should probably not use in Xamarin Forms because they're not yet there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very good looking app, so it's not uh, an app that. I usually demo because it's got some, even got gradients and cars and looks really, really posh. Uh, be sure to check it out. And with that app, they also announced a few things that are coming in .NET MAUI that are actually not yet present in Xamarin Forms. And I thought, I mean, all of them, I just thought, wow, this is so cool. I, I, would, I would love to have this today. Uh, one being a load screen, a splash screen. So before we always had to do this natively on each platform, uh, implement those things. Um, am I the only one who always, or well, never actually manages to get those alignment things in the iOS? Um, like if oh, you want just yeah. one image in the middle of your splash screen, it's you impossible. have to set all these guides and layout alignment yeah. things. And it's I'd, just not possible. It's impossible. It's like that. If you do it long enough, <laughs> I I once had to in the past I had to do a few iOS apps and really uh, know how the layout works so you can get them. But yeah, it's a it's a different concept that they use on iOS for sure for those load screens. But I think that will be gone, um, or at least it looks right now it looks a really nice to to do these load screens. And another one uh, which is like bringing the more native stuff into the cross platform thing is like these native assets. So you can now reference uh, items that are on your native app, which means if you put them there, uh, they will load faster because you'll have them in a in a better storage format than if you pack them into your binary and then you have to unwrap them from the binary and stuff like that. It brings some overhead. And with this, uh, you can then uh, reference those things. And it's, it's, like, it's like using an include. So you include it once and then you can just uh, use those native assets you can even make a wildcard so it will just load everything and they got a sample there with a html um, file which they load in and then you can just use the name of that file in a web view and i thought that was really cool to see and that makes me think if you're using the html stuff they also have now the blazer web view i think that was already a thing which makes it mm -hmm. really easy to host your Blazor application, your ASP.NET Blazor application inside of a .NET Bowie app. Um, and you can just say like, hey, this is the entry point for my application. Um, so because the Blazor web view is basically just a web view with, of course, some uh, magic sprinkled over it um, with a property that says like, hey, which page is going to be my entry point? 
um, and you have to specify like the the selector for the HTML element, what where your app is going to be loaded. Uh, but then it will be perfectly suited for like your hybrid scenarios with um, uh, Blazor in there. Um, and to not confuse, actually, that that's something that dawned on me while uh, I don't know someone was talking about this. There's also the Blazor mobile web bindings, something like that, mobile bindings, um, and that is kind of like just the Blazor programming model but applied to Xamarin Forms. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't have to write XAML anymore. You can write a Blazor syntax. Um, and that is translated to actual native components. So those are two different things, two different initiatives that are going on. I think the Blazor WebView is um, going to be in the package for .NET MAUI. Uh, the Blazor Mobile Bindings, I think they're still experimental and they're still figuring out if that is a route that they want to go. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely in there as well. And I think there was a lot more uh, to do about Blazor as well, probably. Yeah, there were some Blazor announcements going on. Uh, for one, um, the I think the biggest news about Blazor is that you can now have it ahead of time uh, compiled. Uh, so right now, uh, you can run Blazor in two modes. So you can have it in server mode, which basically means you run JavaScript on the client to do certain things, but it's all abstracted away from you. And then you can run it as a WebAssembly, uh, which means you download actual C-sharp DLLs uh, into your browser and they will be executed there. Right now, uh, if you choose that model, the WebAssembly model, it will be interpreted on the client. So you will lose some performance there. And now with uh, there is this option to ahead of AOT, your WebAssembly. And if you got a compute intensive work going on, this will really speed up your uh, WebAssembly code because it will be just optimized uh, to do that stuff. But interestingly, I mean, we three, we do a lot of mobile developments and we are quite used to speeding up our apps by ahead of time compiling our assemblies. And that means the build times, they go up. So right now they say, hey, we'll not uh, enable this feature by default. Uh, when you're debugging, but only when you deploy it, because your build times will go up to minutes, uh, which I thought, hey, that reminds me of my Android and iOS builds sometimes going on. Feels very familiar. Yeah, but I think there were also some announcements around ASP.NET Core uh, in general. Well, the one thing that is, I a lot of people seem happy with it, and you know, our old stuff is not going away, but coming back to our being old developers, you can now have, which is not specific to ASP.NET Core, I think. This is something in C-sharp 10, I think, so new in the language specification, basically. Uh, because, you know, if, you, if you're if you not familiar, C-sharp as a language also has versions. So, you know, it gets some new features here and there. Um, and C-sharp 10 allows you to have no more curly braces. You can just remove the namespaces at the top, not needed anymore. So basically, you can just st- start writing kind of declarative your your code, I guess, um, which to me, I don't know, maybe I'm just hardwired to, to have those braces there and have it structured or something. But this is just, you can write basically in web API endpoint in like literally 10 lines of code or something or less, depending on what it does. Um, yeah, they And it looks be... confusing as what, as, 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 I don't know what. It's, I think... I wouldn't say necessarily age is is to blame. I suppose <laughs> for me it's no, it's not it's, age. It's not age. It's no. not age. It cannot be age. Um, it's more comfort zone type thing. 
and that not being in it um because i i saw the same post i think on twitter or something and yeah i looked at it and i was like okay it could work but it looks odd something looks off um <laughs> but i think if you if you get used to it i mean a few years or i don't know how long ago we got additional operators in the form of question mark question mark question mark equals all those combinations that you had to relearn and we got over that at least i did i'm using those it did. so yeah i'm not using yeah. those i'm not using those. i i really like them I really liked them too. I liked them too. But, you know, with all the things, and I think that's is true for this one as well, like, you know, you can combine all these new things and make it all short form, but I think you have to, you know, use common sense and see what is readable and what is not. And then we come back to an episode we did a while ago, like what is maintainable code? What is readable code? You think it's readable, but some other people, person is going like, what is this? Um, so anyway, sure, I'm going to try it out. Maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't. Everyone can be happy. Everyone yeah, should but, do as they please. I mean, for me, generally, I saw the tweets that you mentioned. I think it was David Fowler who tweeted it. And I looked at that picture and for the life, I could not figure out what he was going on about until I read a few comments down that there was no curly braces uh, around the namespaces. So I, I, for me, it was quite natural. And uh, I know a lot of people that say one class must be in one file. And so, yeah, you always have the same. I never have seen two namespaces in one C-sharp file. So I think for me, it, it seems quite a natural fit to to make this. And also with the ASP.NET uh, core, they now bring forward this minimal API. So like it, you can almost script-like create a, a web API interface. I know that uh, in F-sharp, you could do this already for quite some time, like really minimalistic. You could write a simple web application in one tweet. So that's uh, back in the days when it was 160 characters, I think. 140. So, yeah. hmm? 140. 140. 140, oh dear. Isn't that SMS? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but back to the point, I think what's, what's interesting to see with this minimal API is uh, that the C-sharp language is now adopting or enabling certain features. So they, the Lambda functions are getting enhanced. They so can do certain patterns, which you could not do before, and all these things. And I think that's quite interesting that uh, we now see that a an idea from a framework from .NET is now influencing like features from the C-sharp language. And another thing that I still have to wrap my head around is that we are approaching C-sharp 10. I mean, that's just, that's just, uh, yeah. I was like, like C -sharp <laughs> talking 10, about what, feeling is that, old. Is that uh, the version from 2022? And you go like, no, no, that's uh, this ultimately you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's, there's one other thing actually that to make your class files even shorter, you can now use, I, I, I'm, I was looking into Blazor a little bit the other day um, and they have this imports.razor underscore imports.razor, where you can have like all your using statements basically in that file and you don't have to repeat them in all and every class. Um, yeah. Of course, there will be people who hate it. There will be people who love it. But I thought, wow, this would be actually be pretty useful, especially, you know, if you look at like the stuff that I'm working on with code spaces right now, um, it, it, you have class files that have one page of usings first and then you go to the code. So, you know, that's a big project. There's a lot of it then it definitely makes sense to put that in one file 
and don't have to think about it. Yes, you will have it in a different file. It might be confusing. It might get a mess because you will have this infinite list there. Never clean it up because it will just live there um, and whatnot. But, you know, I, I, I feel with great power comes great responsibility. Um, I feel it could bring some, some value. And I think it's, I think that's always an important point that you mentioned there. I mean, C Sharp will gain a few new features, and C Sharp has been around for quite some time. I think it was released somewhere around two thousand and one ish, so it's been around for twenty years now, soon, give or take. And I mean, no one forces you to use these new features. I mean, I don't really see why this global using would be so useful, but I'm I'm happy to see the demos that will be coming out in autumn to show me why I want this feature and because maybe it's new use it. and shiny yeah <laughs> who knows yeah i mean I, yeah I, I could be attracted to that who knows mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting so i'm i'm just going off on a non-programming tangent here but have you seen the the updates to edge that they're planning because no. i know there's at least at least one serial tab opener and keeping yes. opener is in it getting here. a search bar? <laughs> no, it's not. It is getting a sort of like behind the scenes process manager type thing where you can now have sleeping tabs, which are tabs that you haven't visited for a while. And after X amount of time, it'll turn down the processing power on those tabs. It's funny. I, I, I this is, I don't want to brag here, but I've had that. You knew for this. Months. I've had that for <laughs> months. I didn't know that that was. Not out yet. Um, well, it is coming out soon. So I'm just going to... There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Many unbearable hours later. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So, so child has got no problem here. This is about 25, 25 sleeping tabs and about five active tabs right now. So, and they're, of course, um, they're vertical. I don't do horizontal yeah. anymore. I do vertical. And that's why I want the search bar. I actually noticed because the thing that we're re uh, using here to record the podcast, for some weird reason, I need to use Chrome. Chrome has a search bar for the tabs. Mm -hmm. So I want that. I want that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. So what's what's what else is new in Edge? Well, the, I think the only other thing, because this this is obviously already a fun thing, but I think the other thing is is related to startup time. Um, where it already will spin up some some processes in the background while you're booting Windows or something like that, where it doesn't need to do that when you're starting your browser, so it'll feel a bit that, snappier. That, that reminds me of like Internet Explorer and a big integration within Windows that didn't go very well. But, but oh well, this will be let's fine. Try it again. This will be fine. This is different. This is different. We learned from the past. <laughs> I mean, I I recently thought I discovered a new feature from Edge. And I was then told this is super old, but the surfing game that's in Edge. Oh, wow. Know, is, that, is that around for years now? <clears throat> no, no, that's that's very recent, Mark. <laughs> yes. Very recent. I have installed a, a brand new cloud key from Unify today. So I've had some non-internet waiting moments today. And I played the surf game, actually. What? So oh, my gosh. Fun you should mention it. But okay. it has been around for a while. Okay. Okay. See? See, there's just so much going on these days. It's it's tough. It's tough to keep. Yeah. And this just says that you don't have any downtime. You just go. You just go. Yeah, go. You're go, always go. online. 
Always online, always browsing the webs, surfing the web waves, tap, Classic mark. things, not knowing where I'm going here. Another thing, though, that was highlighted, which uh, I think they know exactly where they're going at, is the .NET 6 hot reload. I know we have talked about this already on the show, but it seems to now start to get out into preview, so you can play around with it. And I think it will be awesome. I think we really all said on this show, this will be awesome. And what you can do is you can, it's like a file watcher in the background. So if you did, if you ever have done some web development with JavaScript, you might already know this. So you can put this watch mode on and then you can edit your JavaScript and your HTML and your CSS and it will then uh, continuously update your web application in the browser that you're working on. And you could already do this with uh, the hot reload for the views. But now you can also do it. Hmm? Example reload. Yeah, thank you. And But now you can do it with uh, C-sharp. And I think some VB, and they're looking into it for F-sharp. So I hope it would come to F-sharp because I still like the language, but yeah. And they say it's best with Visual Studio 2022. So yeah, looking forward to that. But yes, there will be a new Visual Studio 2022, and it will have 64-bit support. And I stopped reading the news after that one because I was so happy, and I still don't know why. Oh <laughs> well, I think the big thing we we talked about this maybe a little bit before because I wondered the same thing, um, and I think the big thing is that you can now, um, and I didn't actually realize this is that Visual Studio can actually go over the what is it two gigabytes or four gigabytes mm-hmm. uh, limit that you have with thirty two bits, so it can actually use more memory. So you know it should be snappier, it should be quicker, especially in the bigger solutions, and I think that is kind of like the main advantage. Uh, so, you know, it, it can use some more memory. It can use some more things. Um, it probably can do that now, but it will start swapping on your disk and it will be slow and blah, blah. So, you know, performance overall will just be better. That's kind of the key yeah. thing, I think. I just think, you know, like if you're on the Visual Studio team and you're not part of the 64-bit thing, I mean, I, I would feel a bit bummed out because everybody goes like, yeah, look, 64-bit way. And you're like, yeah, but look, I'm doing this really cool feature over here. Just give me a sec or you're really away. Oh God. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm sure I'm I'm just like I'm pretty sure that there will be other really great stuff in Visual Studio 2022. I just would have to once read past the first few lines and then stop shouting and then concentrate back on the text. So I'm I'm gonna be that guy and ask how about Visual Studio for Mac? But ah, I can't but someone has gotta do it. I mean <laughs> So then you're talking about Visual Studio for Mac, 64 bits, or no, the the code code reload. So I would guess that that's coming. I didn't really hear anything about that yet. But like I said earlier, there's going to be a big rewrite of Visual Studio for Mac, um, and you know it already. I think they already did that to some extent, where they would use the same. Um, Roslyn analyzers and, and language services and whatnot, how do you call all these things? Um, so, you know, so that they can share code within Visual Studio for Windows and Visual Studio for Mac, so that automatically, basically, you have the same features on both. Um, so, you know, and I think, you know, .NET Hot Reload, it's kind of like, you know, they, they looked at XAML Hot Reload and they thought, like, hmm, that would be handy. It would be a shame if something happened to that. Um, so it would be it would be a crime almost to not bring that to Visual Studio for Mac. 
Um, and I think, you know, I think in this new preview bits, it also works for Xamarin code. Um, I think, don't, don't pin me on this. Um, but yeah, so I, I would think it's coming, but I don't know. I didn't actually see anything about it yet. I I just uh, saw that there was actually comments on the blog announcement from introducing Net Hot Reload, and the blog author Dimitri uh, responded that this is a really great question. So Stephen, thank you for this really great question. <laughs> I'm and all about great questions. It's a bit annoying that you repeat it here and on Twitter and on LinkedIn and basically yeah. everywhere, but you know. I sent a pigeon to your house with a <laughs> letter attached. Sleep in front of my door. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's knocking on the window. Uh, anyhow, so the team is working on it and there are plans to get it there. Though, yeah, I think it it will still take maybe some time. There are still a bunch of challenges. And as Gerald mentioned, they're doing some other really cool stuff right now. So I think we will have to wait a bit late into the year to see if there will be any cool new updates on this for Visual Studio for Mac. Now, we have we have now talked a lot a lot about dev stuff. Uh, and I just thought I I want to ask you guys. I I've seen this uh announcement going on uh in the build sessions that there is this push for staffing teams with different aspects. And so it's it's about this low code, no code um initiative that seems to be going on. So in Azure or in Microsoft 365, there are these power apps. And power apps allow you to easily combine uh, data-driven flows and then have certain actions going on. And so what they enable now is even more of this. So you can now integrate these flows and then you can add some code to further extend it. So you can have these domain experts, as they call them, uh, and then put them together with a few devs and they can then build these automated pipelines running in the cloud. What are your thoughts on this? I don't know. I think we mentioned it before also on this show uh, that, you know, I I definitely see some advantage to um, automate some stuff like this. You know, the, the, the power apps to um, have someone who doesn't necessarily know any how to code. Um, they can just, uh, this is this is sounding more um, condescending than, it, than, it, than I mean it, but you know, just click around and click some things together to automate some things, which is really cool, right? I mean, that is that is basically what we do all day too, but then super complicated and we pull our hair out why it's not working because of the curly braces that we now don't have to type anymore. Um, so, but, you know, I think it definitely has a place in the world. Uh, I don't want to go as far as some people who say this is going to replace and change the whole game of software development. Um, maybe in a long distant future. I did see, and I only saw the headline, so this is going to be a very short topic, um, a headline that Microsoft wants to make it easier to code in plain English, um, air quotes, by using AI or whatnot. Um, so that's going to be you know, interesting too, where you can just type out your business requirements and it will be a, a program. Um, so that will be cool too. But for the low code, I don't know. But of course, you know, everything has to run on Azure. There's a big focus on Azure, um, which is, of course, really cool and really, really um, well-deserved because it does a lot of awesome things. Um, but yeah, I, I see it more kind of like in-between things to easily 
You know the IFTTT things, if this, then that, uh, that's used for a lot of home automation um, to, to tie some APIs together, basically. I see it more as something like that, where you have like your input, um, some kind of trigger is coming in from somewhere. You transform that a little bit and you have some output because it's sending a mail or an email or uh, a mail and an email is the same thing, but a tweet um, or whatever, something like that. Um, or the thing that we are using it for now actually is also to automate some things with like the Xamarin Show recording where you request a recording and whenever you set a certain field, then certain actions are triggered and you um, some action items are created and the right people are assigned and it, it shows up in the schedule. So, you know, those kinds of, again, not condescending, but simple things um, that are easy to automate. Um, I feel it's pretty powerful in that area. Um, but I don't see myself changing careers to low code because that is going to become the hot thing um, during my lifetime. Yeah, I, I sort of sit in the same area, I guess. Um, also thinking that it's it's very suited if you have some kind of building block type situation where you can have someone with less programming experience still put out something that is useful for people. Um, but I also think it, it won't replace like full on coding and, and all that. I don't see that happening. It, it has its place, but I don't think it'll replace anything. I just think it's generally an interesting area that's uh, happening right now. I've seen it in some projects where we do uh, a lot of development to integrate with some industrial IT uh, kind of scenario, but once you got the the stream of information flowing somewhere, uh, you can have people that are not uh, coding every day, but they're like really great with Excel or really or they can find their way around the SQL database that they make really nice charts using stuff like Power BI, which has also gotten some really cool improvements uh, shown in this build uh, year. And I think for those kind of people to enable them, uh, that's really great because developers are always a bit short on demand uh, and, uh, and at hand. And if you've got these uh, flows that are going on or you see like, hey, whenever uh, this uh, data point is reached or when we see that we have a certain latency suddenly in our um, throughput that then some SMS gets sent or whenever you get an email, uh, in sales, uh, that then this email will be automatically transformed and put into your ERP system or things like that. I think you really start to enable um, people to, yeah, transform how they work in these areas. And I think it, I think it's interesting. I don't think it will replace everything. Uh, I think there's still quite a few uh, areas where these, uh, yeah plug and play solutions, they fall short to deliver you the right plugs that you can then use. But uh, yeah, I I think it's interesting. And I think there is some use uh, in certain scenarios out there. So just quickly looking over the show notes, uh, we missed one thing about our favorite topic, dot at Maui, which is there is some pretty exciting news, which is not official yet. So you heard it here first. Um, the Examine Community Toolkit, I might've mentioned it before, um, you know, it's it's my little baby project um, to to do some awesome things uh, while Xamarin Forms Five is kind of frozen. So we take in um, the the awesome controls that people are creating, so that Xamarin Forms Five still has 
some bigger development uh, more than just the bug fixes. Um, and also together with that, you know, we have the converters, the behaviors, all the things that people are uh, repeating over and over again, which are too small to put into their own package, but now live with us. Um, and we've done we've done such an amazing job. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say it. We did such a good job that it has now become a package that cannot be missed in in projects, uh, Xamarin Forms projects. So you know that is good. But on the other hand, you know my answer to will there be a .NET Maui Community Toolkit have all has always been I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but the kind of problem that I didn't foresee is that. Um, there's now a lot of awesome stuff in the Xamarin Community Toolkit, um, which complements Xamarin Forms. But, you know, we want the people to transition to .NET MAUI. But now they can't because they're using this awesome media element or this um, expander or I don't know what all the other cool controls that's in the Xamarin Community Toolkit. And they can't go over to .NET MAUI because they suddenly can't use that control, which is, of course, not something we want. So there will be a um, kind of compat transition package, if you will, that we will make basically the Xamarin Forms, uh, sorry, the Xamarin Community Toolkit package compatible with um, um, the .NET MAUI compat bits. Okay, this is going to be a confusing story. So if you have <laughs> a Xamarin, well, if you, yeah, if you have a Xamarin Forms application and you want to convert that to .NET MAUI, you can take first the simple route by adding a line that says use the compatibility layer, um, then you will get some of the benefits of .NET MAUI. But it goes through kind of a compat layer, so you don't have to do too much work. Um, ideally, only replace some namespaces, and that's it. Um, so, And we are adding compatibility also for the Xamarin Community Toolkit to support that. Um, and at the same time, of course, you know, if you want to go kind of like the native .NET MAUI route, so you, you're going to rebuild your app in .NET MAUI, basically, um, we're going to create a .NET MAUI community toolkit for that as well. And uh, we are talking to the Windows community toolkit, and we are all going to be rebranded to just com community toolkit so we can service everyone. Um, and there will be that. So we're starting work on that as well, which will be pretty, pretty amazing and um, will be cool. I'm looking forward to it because I use the Xamarin Community Toolkit in my apps and yeah. they, they need upgrading to Maui at some point, right? I mean, mm. Yeah, this is, this is really great news. Um, I'm looking forward to continue using the awesomeness of the Xamarin Community Toolkit once I start going the Maui route for building apps. So this is really cool. Thank you for sharing, Gerald. My pleasure. And I think that is a nice wrap up for this episode from what we've learned at Build 2021. So we've been your hosts, Stephen Davison, Mark Alibone, and Janos Flesh. If you have a favorite announcement from Build, let us know. We are on Twitter at nullpointers.io. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe. And until next week on Nullpointers. Pointers.